This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, December 15th, 2019. Glory Sustained. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to week three of Advent here at CCC. Last week we talked about uh, how glory was conceived in Mary. The week before, how glory was foretold through the Old Testament prophecies. This morning, our focus, as you heard in the video, gorgeous, beautiful job on the video, by the way. Thank you. Um, How glory is sustained. Good morning, Connection Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're honored that you chose to worship here at Connection Church. We want to also welcome those of you who are joining us online. Thank you for joining us. We are one church, many locations. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. What an awesome day. And it's no accident that any one of us are here or tuning in online. God, help us take what we hear today, what we sense from you, and apply it to our lives so that we can be your witness to who you are and whose we are. As we take a look at Joseph and how he sustained in in his obedience, God, help us also um, be obedient to you. And so we give this time to you, remove the distractions, and settle us in. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. So um, anybody here ever look in your ancestry, you know, who you came from, where you came from? Anybody? Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, doing that's a whole different ballgame than it used to be. It used to be you'd um, Check the family Bible. Remember, it was big, fat. We got one when we got married. And they used to, you know, keep the family tree in the family Bible. Or maybe you could go to the family cemetery, look at the gravestones, the names and the dates, and kind of piece it together. Go to the courthouse records. And, you know, some other stores, stuff like that. Then a few years ago, there were services that would do that for you. You write the check, then they did all that stuff, you know, made it easier. And now recently, they've added the DNA testing. And so not only do you know the names, but now you know the places. They can trace that DNA back to a place like Ancestry.com. They'll trace your tree. Give them a little swab from the, you know, like those old uh, those, uh, TV shows where they swab. They get your DNA. You send that in, and they can tell you with some, with some veracity. It's not absolutely 100%, but some pretty close where your family origins are. Like my sister did that. She did one. She found out we're like 31% from, uh, from Great Britain. Well, that would make sense. You know, Jones, my last name is Welsh. That's part of Great Britain. That would make sense. Uh, 30% from Scandinavia. I don't know about that one. I, I don't know where that... Although a guy in the earlier service said, well, you know, the, the uh, Vikings invaded, uh, invaded England around 800 or something. Yeah. I expected some French in there because... I think uh, William the Conqueror, who was French, was supposed to be in my heritage, but somehow we missed that one. Anyway, 27% Ireland. Well, I think my mom's family had some Irish roots. Uh, 
I was, what I was most excited about was the 5% Italian. You know, because you know how I like spaghetti and pizza, so come on. I, at least I had a little justification there. And then the 2% from Spain, that explains all those years of Spanish in school, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, they're not 100%, but there's some validity, and it's interesting to kind of speculate on where you came from, isn't it? Yeah. Well, this idea of wanting to know or needing to know where we came from, where we've come from, it's really not anything new. In fact, it goes back to the beginning because they, they kept track from the very beginning of humankind. In the Old Testament, in Genesis, we have genealogies that run from the start, from Adam to Noah and from Noah to Abraham. This is the coolest chart when you really take a look at it. In the book of Numbers, we have genealogies of the sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. In the book of 1 Chronicles, we're given the family tree of, from Adam to Abraham, and then from Abraham to the sons of Jacob, also known as Israel, and from David to the Babylonian exile when the Jerusalem, that's when Jerusalem was overtaken by Babylon, by Babylon in the 6th century before Christ. Um, yeah. <laughs> in the New Testament, the book Luke. <laughs> what were you looking up on your phone? I was going to get ready for my next uh, oh, okay. uh, scripture. I was just wondering if you were going to text me a I was checking Facebook. Message. I was checking my email. No, I was <laughs> looking up the now. I was going to read it out of the phone, but we'll read off the sheet. New Testament, the book of Luke, chapter 3. We have a genealogy that runs all the way from Adam to Jesus. Wow. It's interesting where Luke places this information just after he tells us about John baptizing in the River Jordan, including the baptism of Jesus. And just before uh, Luke tells us about Jesus' 40 days of fasting in the desert as he's preparing for ministry and when he's tempted by Satan. The different authors of these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they're writing with a particular audience in mind, and they're not, it's not always the same audience. You see, Luke was writing for the audience. His focus was all humankind. He was a physician by, by uh, you know, that's what his uh, vocation was, and it was important for him to let everyone know that Jesus wasn't just for the chosen few, but for all. And so he placed this genealogy right between Jesus receiving baptism and Jesus being tempted, two things that remind us that Jesus was human, just like you and me. And so this genealogy then went all the way back to Adam, the father of all humankind. On the other hand, Matthew places his genealogy right at the very beginning, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, Matthew writes, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And then it goes on for another 15, 16 passages. So, Matthew traces the genealogy all the way to Jesus, but he's writing to a different audience. As Alan said, Luke was writing to um, the population that was not Jewish, and he wanted everybody to know that they can be in the family of God. 
because remember it was kind of exclusive to the Jews. That's what the Jewish people thought. And so he's opening up, Jesus came for all. Now, Matthew's audience is to the Jews. And so it's really important to hearken back, not to Adam, but to Abraham. Abraham, the father of the nations. We read all about Abraham, the one who God chose to leave his family and his country and travel to a new place, the one who God would make a new nation, look up in the skies, as many as stars are your descendants, he said. God chose um, Abraham and the nation of Israel. And so Matthew then neatly divides his genealogy into three sections as he shares at the end of his story why he kind of does it, and then he tells you why he did it, Matthew 1.17. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. See, it's important, it's crucial to Matthew to show the connection of the Messiah to the most important people and events of the Jews. And so he shows the 14 generations from Abraham to David, from the father of the nation to the greatest king the nation ever knew. And then 14 generations from David to Babylon. Babylon, the fall of the nation, the exile of many from the nation. And then 14 generations from Babylon to Jesus, the Messiah, from the fall of the Jews to the one who will save the Jews. So central to this particular point is the connection to King David. Talk a lot about David. David wrote a lot of the Psalms. Over and over and over in Scripture, we are reminded that Jesus is um, from the house, from the lineage uh, of David. He's David's descendant. And the Hebrew people of Israel, they dreamed of a time when someday their nation would be great like it was under King David's rule. Remember, they spent a whole lot of years just waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah, the one who would save them. And they didn't realize that even though this new king would come from the house of David, that he would be a very different ruler than King David was. Rather than being a warrior king, this king of the Jews would rule differently. He would rule with love and peace and mercy and forgiveness. And so when we trace this then, traces from uh, Abraham and it tr ultimately traces Jesus' lineage through Joseph, his earthly father. But check how this is handled there, Matthew 1, 15 and 16. We get a, a, we get a running start here, like the, the, the lineage ahead of it, but then check out what happens with Joseph. So we're told, Elihud, the father of Eliezer, Eliezer, the father of Mathan, Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph. Now check out how it changes. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Wow. And so all throughout genealogy in the scripture, there's, there's a pattern. We see like so-and-so, the father of so-and-so. You see how that is up there? But not when it comes to Joseph. This is so interesting. He doesn't say that he's the father of Jesus. It never says he's the father, but traces the lineage through him. And even though 
Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus. He is the legal father. And so it was really important that the family tree hearken back to him, back to David, all the way back to Abraham. And it's just like incredible that God, God put all this together. I mean, centuries and centuries and centuries and generation after generation after generation. His promises from start to finish have come to pass. It just blows my mind. God is awesome. Can you say God is awesome? Absolutely. Can everybody go? Oh, there you go. Good. Thank you. And so Matthew uses this genealogy to connect Jesus back to the father of the faith, Abraham. Use it to remind the people of a low point in their history, the, the Babylonian exile, and the coming Messiah who will make the nation great once again. He uses them to show how the Old Testament prophecies will be fulfilled as this Messiah is the direct descendant of David, the greatest king ever known. And he also uses it as an introduction into the miraculous pregnancy that brought the Messiah into the world, uses it to explain why he didn't say Joseph, father of Jesus. Instead, Joseph married to Mary, who was the mother of Jesus. So we have this whole gene genealogy, Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. I'm going to pick it up at 18. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. So they just told us. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, say righteous man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Hmm. You know, I've heard this Christmas story a lot, probably. I'm 65, I've probably heard it at least 65 times, I don't, you know, anybody else heard it more than, today's not new, right, and you know, I'm always kind of looking for, what did I miss, and I had always missed that Luke, how he did the genealogy, that piece where it didn't say Joseph was the father, I, I never really, but I, I usually, what is a constant question to me, and it's not answering, it must not be important, but how did Joseph find out that Mary was pregnant? Probably wasn't when she was showing. You know, that would have been a long way. I always wondered, did Mary get to tell him that news? And if she did, wouldn't you have loved to have heard that conversation? Huh? Yeah. Hey, Joseph. I'm pregnant. <laughs> really? It's okay. It's not some other guy. It's the Holy Spirit. Well, I've heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, really, right. The Holy Spirit, a good one. <laughs> wow. You know, as Alan said, there are so many questions that we have, but God gives us what we need in Scripture, and we can absolutely trust all that. We don't get that particular detail about how Joseph finds out. But what is important to, to take in, to remember, is what Joseph does after he finds out. 
He's engaged to be married to Mary, and virtually that means in that culture they were husband and wife. It, it was this legal transaction, but without sharing the marriage bed yet. So he is called, he's her husband. And he could have gone public with this whole thing. He could have um, subjected her to being stoned to death because of adultery, or at least publicly disgraced. He could have done that. He could have, but he didn't. Instead, he chose to divorce her quietly. Yes, divorce, because again, this was a legal contract. They were legally bound. But this passage speaks volumes to who this man is, who Joseph is, the character. It speaks volumes to why God chose not only Mary, but the one who Mary would be betrothed to the one who she was engaged to. You know, not every guy out there would have handled it the way Joseph would have. In fact, uh, I'm guessing Joseph here is the exception to the rule. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. yeah. But God knew that well, well in advance. God knew what kind of man was needed to be the earthly father. I mean, technically speaking, he's a stepfather, even though there's no divorce, there's a stepfather, isn't he? The earthly father of, of his one and only son. Again, say God is awesome. God, God is, is awesome. awesome. And so we pick up here in Matthew 1, looks like 20 through um, 23. But after he, Joseph, had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not, there's that son of David again, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived of her in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. See, Jesus means God saves. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah, which we shared a couple weeks ago. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God speaks in many ways. We see that from the very beginning, that God spoke and speaks to God's people. We read about all about it in the first book of the Bible, but God still speaks today in a lot of different ways. Um, audibly, perhaps. Um, I've actually had that once in my life. It was at a point in my life where I was... Um, a young mom, and I knew that God wanted something from me, and I just wasn't wasn't buying it. And so it, it wasn't being a pastor yet, but I needed to go deeper. And I can remember one day I was at home vacuuming, and I heard, Carrie, it's time to go. I heard that. And what what the voice, what God was telling me is that it was time to go on a, a three-day spiritual retreat called Walk to Emmaus. And I had been very resistant prior to doing that. And so I turned off the vacuum and said, okay, and 
you know, called the person I needed to call to make that um, happen. But as I was reflecting on that this morning at the first service, God needed me there and to get some of the um, learnings about God's grace at that particular retreat so that God could take me to the next step, which was here. And so um, God does speak, and perhaps you've heard an audible voice, but... Through the vacuum. Through the vacuum. I, I just thought maybe I'll never vacuum again. You never vacuum again, but... Yeah, you know. no, it's... You know, I don't, I don't know that God speaks, you know, frequently through, like, this audible voice. So don't, like, God never talks to me. Don't feel like you're getting cheated because God talks to all of us in a lot of different ways. We've all, if we believe in Jesus, if we accept Jesus as our Savior, we know that God shares with us what God wants. But we've just got to be able to tune in and listen. He, he talked to Abraham. He told Abraham to leave his country, his father's household, go to the land that the Lord would show him. God does talk to us. Sometimes it's a gut feeling. You just know that you know that you know. It's like this, ugh, like either here or maybe even here. For some, it might be this electric feeling, a pins and needles kind of thing. I think that's what happened to you. I was, uh, someone invited me to their church. They said, the door's always open. I said, all right. So I went in there one day, and I'm sitting in a, in a, one of the pews, and I had this like vision of a Christmas Eve service, like the kind we had when I was a kid. And it's July or something. It was crazy. And, and it was like I was a, a tingling all over. Well, that was a church that I would serve a year from that, uh, the next, I guess a year and a half, and we would start a brand new Christmas Eve service there. And it was just as it was you know, given to me in that vision. And that's you know? before you became... Uh, that was uh, yeah. uh, a year before I became pastor at that church. Yeah, so it's pretty wild. God speaks sometimes through visions, through dreams. God always speaks through scripture. Um, it's important to just keep, keep with it because God will speak to us in a variety of ways through scripture. For some it's circumstance. For some it's an angel. I haven't talked to anybody about that one. If you want to share with me, I appreciate it. Um, for some it's an angel in a dream. That's how it was for Joseph. It's important to know how God speaks to you. Sometimes just dreams without the angel. Just yeah. dreams without the angels. Yeah. So it's important though to be able to discern what you're experiencing. Is it God or is it the evil one disguised as God. That happens. The evil one very much wants to scramble the words, the feelings, the nudges that we get and let us think, oh, yeah, that's God, but it's really not. Very good at deceiving, very good at disguising as God. And if you don't know, if you're not discerning, you might be mistaken and think that it's God speaking when it's fact the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy and that's anything but what God wants for you. And so we have to be able to measure what we hear, what we think, what we feel when we think it's God talking to us in some way. When I say talking, I don't necessarily mean verbal, but communicating with us. We've got to be able to weigh it against something. There has to be something to measure it against. And first and foremost is Scripture. 
That's our guidebook. That's the thing we measure. Does this line up with what I know of God from Scripture? And if it doesn't, you go, hmm, man, I, I better be on, on the lookout here because something's not right. And, and in addition to Scripture, by your experience, my experience with God is this. And this is very contrary to what my experience is. Now, God can bring in a new thing. God, that's not, but does it still line up with Scripture? Does it line up with my experience? And then, and then the next question would be, does it line up with what the church has said traditionally? There's a reason for the traditions in the church. It's because those people have wrestled with what I'm talking about here with different things. And so does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with my experience? Does it line up with, with what the church has said? And does it line up with my brain? Now, God gave us a brain to use it. I mean, faith, my main gift is faith, but I still use my brain to question because I want to make sure that my faith isn't directed in the wrong direction. That I'm not allowing the evil one, and I'm not saying 100% at this, but I'm trying not to allow the evil one to distract me, to pull me away, and again, to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me give you an example. It's going to seem maybe humorous, but it isn't really that far-fetched from some of the things I've heard come from people. Let's say if you're a father with children and a spouse, and you're feeling God's telling you to leave your family to relocate to a desert island with somebody half your age, yeah, that's funny, but we all probably know somebody who has a story that's not that far from this. Can I get an amen? Okay, I want to make sure I'm not just out in la-la land here. Somebody stopped me today and said, that's called a midlife crisis. Yeah. You know, the gold chain, the blonde, the Corvette. I got seminary for my midlife crisis. There you go. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but the thing is, does that line up with anything that I said? Can you, yeah, you find in Scripture some guys who messed up and, and made this kind of choice. Did that line up with God in Scripture? A resounding no. Does it line up with the tradition of the church? Absolutely not. Does it line up with, with our experience with what we would know God to be? Hello. How about with reason? I mean, let's be real here. I'm 60, she's 30. What, who in their right mind would think that makes any kind of sense? You with me? Not the guy's daughters, that's for sure. No, nobody would make sense out of that. But God, I really feel God was drawing me to be happy. Wrong. No place in Scripture does it say God wants you to be happy. It doesn't say it. Find it, I'll look at it. Bring it to me. On the other hand, let's say you feel God is calling you to go to church regularly, to tithe, and to put your wife and children above everything else but God. Well, that lines up with everything I said, doesn't it? Absolutely. Hello, end of story. Keep checking what you're feeling against all those things that I just said. I just love how passionate you are with all this. <laughs> that helps me a lot. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't be a knucklehead. Seriously, That's I'm, all I, I come from um, a family whose parents were committed for 30 years, and then one day they weren't, and it was somebody else, and that just doesn't line up. It's tough. Back to Joseph. Joseph heard God through an angel in a dream. It's not something new, and we find it at various places in the Old Testament. And in this particular case, it makes sense. 
It makes sense considering the power of the Holy Spirit and what God had done um, throughout. It's pretty wild. But Joseph had heard about God and God's power and might. So the challenge for Joseph was probably um, not about believing that it was a message from God, but deciding whether he was going to follow it or not, if he was going to obey or not, whether he would sustain or make a U-turn. You know, even though we hear from God or get nudges from God, it's, it's not automatic. That's like, oh, okay, that's the way it goes. I'll just follow. <laughs> I mean, I would suspect that every one of us have made a little bit of a U-turn at times when we're prompted to do something and we decide to not do it. Perhaps it's something about sharing forgiveness or extra compassion or some service or increased devotion or devotion at all, reading the Bible, uh, loving the less than lovable. All of us, you know, thank heavens we're saved by grace with this. Joseph could have turned away. He was human. He was, he was just a guy, just a regular guy. And so he had the choice to turn from being obedient to God. So we pick up Matthew 1, 24 through 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Let me say that again. When Joseph woke up, say it with me, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And what was that? Well, he took Mary home as his wife. Not as his betrothed anymore, but as his full-fledged wife. He did not consummate their marriage, though, until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. It's interesting that he named, he did the naming. That was so important in that culture. We're just... I mean, the fact that Joseph chose to listen and do what God told him through the angel in a dream, it's just such a great testimony for us today, such a great witness. And of course, God knew the choice that Joseph was going to make. God knows what our leanings are. Um, He knew what kind of man Joseph already was, what kind of character he had displayed. I mean, he wasn't something like awful, and God said, okay, here you go, although we see that in Scripture too, but he knew who Joseph was. And Joseph demonstrated his character when he had made the decision to not disgrace Mary publicly. He was a man of honor. He was a godly man, the man who God chose to be the the legal father of God's only son. And so God's glory was sustained through this man, Joseph, through the choices he made, through his obedience to God's call, through not turning back, not you turning. So this ancestral line that began with Abraham ran through David and survived the exile. This lineage was sustained through the stepfather, Joseph, thanks to his obedience to God, thanks to his willingness to say yes that God's will be done. So can y'all guess the question now that I'm going to ask? It's three words. What about you? What about you? Are you listening? Are you tuned in to what God is nudging you to do, leaning in, you know, speaking or 
in scripture, things are coming alive. Are you willing to be obedient? Take that next right step. It's what God really wants from us. Are you willing to be a, a participant like Joseph was? I mean, he was more than a participant. Wow. In this great story of redemption. God's story. And you know, today, we have this, this great, great story about Mary and Joseph. But then we go on to hear, you know, with Jesus, Jesus built the church for us to share the good news. We're, we're now the ones that Jesus depends on. So are we willing to be the participant to share about the glory of God and even think about in our own lives that obedience thing that Joseph was so tuned into. He, was, he just sustained and, and held tight. And so as we leave here today, God really wants each of us, I know, all the time to, to take in the scripture, to apply it to our lives, and then to live it out. And that looks different for each one of us. But we pray that you've gleaned something or been reminded of something so that you can go out there and connect people with Jesus and the new life he offers. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, this, this story in Scripture is one that many of us have heard for a lot of different years, a lot of different times. But your Scripture, your Word never gets old. Help us look at it with fresh eyes and a fresh heart and a willing heart. Thank you for Joseph, a, a witness. Um, to you and to stay in the course and to being righteous. God, we, we anticipate next week, we celebrate the birth of your son Jesus and continue to prepare our hearts and get us ready so that we just don't take it for granted or that we don't miss it, but instead realize our utter need, our desperate need a savior thank you for today for everyone here and we just give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in jesus name amen thank you for joining us for our podcast for more information about connection community church in middletown delaware please visit our website at justshowup.church you can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692 Connection Community Church Connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers